rid of the myths and stereotypes that you have to be anything other than what you are and mm. that and understanding that you really truly are enough and that's why spaces like Miss Black USA um, spaces which I compare to HBCU institutions because Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Karen Arrington is an award-winning author, women's empowerment expert, global philanthropist, and the winner of an ANAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work. Karen's coaching, mentoring, and philanthropic work spans over 100,000 hours of service, including her position as a goodwill ambassador to Sierra Leone. Her work as the co-founder of the first Diabetes Awareness Day in West Africa and her role as the founder of the Miss Black USA pageant. Over the past 20 years, Karen has helped over 1,000 women step into powerful careers in media, business, medicine, and law, transcending hardship, abuse, and financial limitations, and transforming their lives and communities. Hello, Karen. Welcome to Diversity Dish. Thank you so much for being a part of our discussion today. Thank you, Seti, for having me. It is my pleasure. I know that you're an empowerment coach. You've written a book. You talk to women about confidence. But before we get into all of those things, I want people to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us what are you most passionate about right now? Without a doubt, I would have to say empowering women. I mean, that has really been my life work. And so I'd also say purpose. Um, I'm an author. I write from a place of feeling like God has placed a calling on my life to empower and inspire women. I want to change lives. So I write with a duty to help. And I feel a level of responsibility to women, to women of color and to black women specifically, because that's who I am in the world. Right. I love it. And how long have you been working in this area? I would say in this particular area, since I was, I'd like to say, you know, when I was from a young girl, you know, I entered pageantry and, and so it was in that arena that I saw an opportunity to empower other young women, my peers, and it led from one thing to another. When I was three, my parents were civil rights activists. I was um, a little toddler with chubby cheeks standing Mm -hmm. next to them when Martin Luther King famous speech, I have a dream. And so his words really sunk into my bones in a way that made me realize that I had a a calling on my life 
to really be a voice for those without one and marginalized um, women. From there at age 13, I led a protest in my school, um, in my middle school, to have the racist name of our school name changed. Um, and several years later, it was changed from Roger B. Taney to Thurgood Marshall Middle School. And then in college, I was really inspired by the literary works of those famous African-American sheroes who came before us. And they inspired me to use whatever talents I had to give back. And it was shortly thereafter that I founded the Miss Black USA pageant, which is the largest scholarship pageant for young women of color, where we've awarded over a half a million dollars in scholarships to date. Wow, that is so amazing. I love to hear all the stories behind everything. So tell us a little bit more about the Miss Black USA pageant. Absolutely. Well, I founded Miss Black USA in 1986. Growing up, I didn't see young, strong, intelligent Black women who looked like me in mainstream media or in magazines. Um, And I saw it as a opportunity to really be a platform to elevate, celebrate, and educate young Black women. And I had no idea that 30 years later, it would evolve into this national movement. Um, Today, 80% of our contestants are in graduate or professional school. Um, This year, we have one who's a practicing physician, another who's a practicing attorney. But these are not the images, even in 2021, that we still see on mainstream media and Black women continue to be invisible. So um, Mm -hmm. the relevance of Miss Black USA is even stronger today in 2021. But it is a scholarship pageant to celebrate, educate, and elevate young Black women of color. And I'm sure you've heard the question before, because as a Black woman, this question is often heard, you know, in different ways. But why a Black Miss USA when there's already a Miss USA? If you're ready to step into your power and affect real social change, then I'm ready to help you do that. Join me in the Discover Your Social Power pop-up podcast, which is a private podcast, by the way, to find out how you can make an incredible difference in this world just by being you. Go to sedrolamaruska.com backslash work dash with dash Sadie for more information. Well, that's a very good question. And you're right. We hear that a lot. In pageantry, um, many people don't know the history behind pageantry, but there was a time when Black women weren't even allowed to compete in these mainstream pageants. And I think that anytime you're a part of a subculture, it's important to have your own reward system. Mm -hmm. One of the things about Miss Black USA is our queens, regardless of their walk or their background or their socioeconomic status, they can be unapologetically Black. They don't have to conform to European standards of beauty. They can be who they are unapologetically. And that's the significance of being in a space where you are celebrated, elevated, and educated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, you use the, the term unapologetically Black, and I use it as well. But I wonder if you could 
from your perspective, explain what that means. Because for me, I understand it in a way because I know what it is to do, you know, the code switching and what it is to feel different in any space. But I want to hear from you what it means to be unapologetically Black and why we even have to bring that forward in that way. Absolutely. In the Miss Black USA system, well, first of all, in mainstream systems, there's a standard of beauty that doesn't include Black women. Let's start there. And that standard means that beauty looks a certain way. She has a certain type of hair texture. She has certain features. Mm -hmm. And most of these features are not the features of Black women. Mm -hmm. So Black women are so diverse. We have so many different shades of brown. Mm -hmm. And all of those shades in a system like Miss Black USA are celebrated. Um, So when we talk about being unapologetic, meaning that you can walk in the door in any shade, any size, any hair texture, curves or size zero, whatever, Mm -hmm. and be celebrated, Mm -hmm. meaning that you don't have to conform. You know, you don't have to code switch. You can be exactly who you are. You can walk in with your hair exactly the way that it came out when you were born, the way that it grows out of your hair. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that people don't really understand how much we have to hide certain parts of ourselves in order to be okay and accepted within the mainstream society. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we say we're going to be unapologetically Black, they don't understand it because they've never had to do the switching. They've never had to try to fit within any type of, of norm as we have. You know, it's not as if you're a, a bigger, you're a heavier woman and you're trying to fit into the norms of being thin. You know, that is one aspect. But, but then when you put on top of that, you put, okay, you're a bigger woman, you're trying to conform into the aspects of being thin, but you're also a darker woman, you're trying to conform into the aspects of being lighter. You have kinkier hair, you're trying to conform into conform to making your hair straighter. You've got thicker lips, you're trying to conform to make those lips look smaller. I mean, there's so many different, you're, the way that you speak, the way that you walk, the way that you, the way that you just comport yourself. Everything has to be, is, is challenged, right? In a way that it's not challenged for other people. And so when we talk about being unapologetically Black, we're saying we're not allowing ourselves to even think of those challenges. We are simply looking at ourselves and saying, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enough. I'm enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have a book that you've written. It's called Your Next Level Life. I think, there is, I think it's longer than that, but could you tell us a little bit about your book? Yes, absolutely. So as a young girl, you know, I found my voice in the pages of literary works like Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and their triumphant stories really ignited a spark that would never leave. And so books 
are where the seeds were planted and watered. And I embraced my calling, you know, as I said, that has led me to many different projects over the course of my life. And um, while my work has taken many forms over the years, my goal is always the same. And that's to help women claim their power, redefine their destinies and defy expectations. And that was my motivation for writing Your Next Level Life, Seven Rules of Power, Confidence and Opportunity for Black Women in America. I mean, the voices of diverse women belong on bookstore and library shelves. I mean, it's not only necessary, but essential that we tell our own stories so that readers can see themselves in these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I wrote Your Next Level Life, I saw it as really a part of my lifelong work, you know, my calling. And it's been amazing because when I wrote it, I had no idea it would eventually be nominated for an NAACP Image Award and then an NAACP Image Award. So that was a huge blessing and really for me validation, you know, that I was really writing from a place, like I said, of my calling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's seven rules of success dedicated to each chapter and hopefully with each page turn that readers will feel a spark ignited within them. That mm-hmm. same spark that compelled me to protest the name of my middle school, start the Miss Black USA pageant and write this book. And that spark that burns with optimism and possibility and says that it's time to dream big, think big and live big, you know, and light the way, of course, for other women too. And it's time to rise into what I call your next level life, whatever that looks like for you. Yes. Oh, I love it. Would you be able to give us a high level idea of what those seven rules are? Absolutely. And I also want to say that, you know, Black women are the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs and the most educated demographic in the U.S. But all the lean in advice and girl boss platforms overlook the unique career challenges that Black women face. And it is because of these intricacies that I felt compelled to write your next level life. So chapter number one, for example, starts off with discover your superpowers. And that really is about identifying your gifts and your talents and then magnetizing them like crazy. Mm -hmm. So all the money that you want. And then another chapter is called finding your tribe, finding your girl squad, because that is certainly what I believe is a powerful way to really reach your next level. Who do you surround yourself with? I talk in the book about it's time to stop hanging with people who have your problem and hang with people who have your solution. Yes. And then of course, there's a a chapter dedicated to magnetizing money, how to find all the money and scholarship grants and resources that you need whether it's to go to school, whether it's to launch a business, whether it's to do philanthropy or start your own revolution, there's money that's out there. And I'm a witness to it. You know, I'm a recipient and benefit of many small business grants. I also have another chapter dedicated to um, expanding your horizons. And I talk about how international travel can open up a whole new world of opportunities for you. I do business now in 15 different countries. Mm. Um, And it all started just by getting on that aircraft and heading to West Africa. Mm. Um, So I talk about that and I, and I also share a long list of resources that can help you do that. Whether if you want to start a small business, um, launch your own business, 
you know, I give you the resources of where to get started, how to find a mentor, because mentorship is very important. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I love the the titles that you have for your different chapters. Uh, I, you know, uh, in my earlier podcast episodes, I would always ask someone if they were working with their superpowers or if their passion was connected to their superpower, because I agree with you, if we can ignite and we can really work within those superpowers, that's when we really magnetize a lot of things for ourselves, which is fantastic. Where can people find your book? Is it available everywhere that books are sold? It is. It's available in Amazon at Amazon okay. and it's available in all major bookstores and book outlets online, including Walmart and Target as well. Awesome. Well, I will definitely put a link to your book in the show notes so that people can pick it up for themselves because I'm sure that it will be a great resource to have in their library. I know I'm going to pick it up myself. I'm really excited about that. So, one of the things that you talk uh, a lot about, because as an empowerment coach, is confidence. And I, what to you are the signs of confidence or the signs of a lack of confidence as you see them? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a number of signs. And I, and I think a, a big part of that is getting rid of the myths and stereotypes that you have to be anything other than what you are and mm-hmm. that and understanding that you really truly are enough. And that's why spaces like Miss Black USA, um, spaces which I compare to HBCU institutions because they really help validate you in all your authenticity, you know, in everything that you are. So I always say that a confident woman, her confidence will enter a room before she does. Mm. A woman that doesn't have confidence, it will definitely show. It shows every single time. And sometimes it shows before she enters a room. (laughs) And that's why I also dedicate a chapter to the power of packaging and presentation. You know, I give tips and share tips from, you know, my good friend, Derek Rutledge, who is Oprah's makeup artist, um, who was former First Lady Michelle Obama's go-to person, go-to makeup artist as well. I share a lot of tips about, you know, how to, tips that supermodels use. I mean, it's not really easy and the pressure that society places on on us can really affect your self-esteem. So I always say that if you want to be a boss, dress like a boss. You know, if you want to be whoever you want to be, visualize that and then practice that. You need to walk in it and then you need to own it. And people can tell it's okay to have imposter syndrome. And, And the way that you get over that is practice believing, but that's where purpose, again, um, I believe is attached to confidence because when you are in purpose, you're unstoppable Mm -hmm. and no one can take whatever it is that you're doing away from you. Right, 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 right. I think it's so interesting that you said that when you are confident, it walks in the room before you. And when you're not, that also walks into the room before you. Would you be able to elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, I have somewhat of an idea of how you mean, but if you could elaborate on that. 
Well, it goes back to, again, I think that there are two components. There is mindset, right? Um, so we have to believe in ourselves. Um, and then there's the physical aspect of it. So whenever I apply for a job, I do my research. I want to know who this company is, what their vision is, and so forth, what their mission is. And then I'm prepared. So preparation is a big part of, mm -hmm. you know, helping give you the confidence that you need. And then there's the presentation part. Again, if I am, you know, want to walk into the room like I'm a queen, then I need to make sure that I'm present myself as a queen. Right. And sometimes that's not just, that's not just what we're wearing. It's a light. It's something that comes from within. And I believe confidence is really something that comes from within and comes from a genuine place for you. And so that light is already shining. There's sort of a path. That light is like a pathway leading mm -hmm. into the room. So it's really your spotlight. Right. We're all walking around with our own spotlights and it, the That's brightness right. only depends on how much we believe that we are enough and that we're good, that we can do it. Yeah. I think that that is, that that's a I like that I like the way that that I like the the visual of that which is really pretty cool so you have you say that women are our greatest untapped resource what does that mean mm, wow you know when I think about the strong powerful women in our society I mean they really truly are the true architects of society. Mm -hmm. Every time I go back and forth to Mother Africa, I'm reminded of who we are as a people, our resilience, our strength, our beauty. And so, you know, it's a, it's a very, um, it, it's in many ways, it seems complex, but mm -hmm. it really isn't. But there are so many dynamics um, to this. And I find myself oftentimes questioning, or well, not even questioning, but how we actually evolve, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you know, women have just been a force. I mean, when you think about Stacey Abrams, I mean, yes, literally I'm... overturn an election. Yes. <laughs> Pretty it's... much. I mean, determine yes. the outcome <laughs> of an election, but these are gifts that we have been giving. And it's so beautiful to see us utilize these gifts to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about that they are untapped, many women have not tapped into their superpowers. They have not tapped into their gifts because society has told them, you know, that they, that who they are and they need to de redefine who they are themselves. Always ask yeah. my clients, who are, who were you before society told you who you should be? Right. Yes. And that's a very powerful question. And it's a very necessary one because I, I agree with you. I think that we as women and especially as women mm -hmm. and also, especially as women of color, black women, society has told us where our place is and who we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And if we are not, if we don't fall within certain parameters, then there's, 
repercussions for that, right? There's, there's reverberations for that. And so we have to be really strong in knowing who we are outside of what society tells us we're supposed to be in order to actually tap into our superpowers, as you say, and really work in our purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are so many brilliant Black women who came before us. And that's why for me, Mm -hmm. um, I was so inspired by their work because they really ignited something within me Mm -hmm. um, to identify my superpowers and my calling in life. I mean, I love Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she was a brilliant woman who never apologized for being a Southern Black woman who come who came from a poor, from came from poor people mm-hmm. and spoke with a certain Black dialect. I mean, Octavia Butler was a phenomenal Black sci-fi writer. Tony mm-hmm. Morrison, James Baldwin, Zadie Smith, Maya Angelou, Alice Walker. I mean, they're just a few of the writers who gave me the fortitude to know that I could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Black writers who came before me are brilliant, and I always say they should be recognized and honored in the same breath as Poe and Frost and Wolf are mentioned. But Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to really study these people, to read, and to read literature from women whose stories are our stories. Yes, yes, absolutely. I agree. I don't know that Black writers are, are held up as much as they they should be or you know all any writer of color really but especially black stories are not held up in the ways that they they really and truly need to be for the quality and the amazing artistry that is within the writing it's just you know it just doesn't hold up and i think that has a lot to do with the inability for people to sometimes understand or relate to the to the way that the writer is writing yes and because it is different doesn't mean that it is of less value and that's where we need to understand this we need to understand that simply because something is written differently than you're used to doesn't mean it's of less value it means that you need to alter your perspective to try to see the perspective of the writer. Absolutely. So yes, I agree with you. When you say that we should not keep our, I remember if this, if I'm, if I'm even quoting this right, but we should not keep our, our superpowers to ourselves, correct? <laughs> Is that what you said? Yes. Um, our, uh, our, right. So it's the same, as you said, that we should not keep our ambitions quiet we should not keep our ambitions to ourselves right absolutely it should not be a secret that we have ambitions that we have places that we want to go and things that we want to achieve and it should not be a secret what those things are correct absolutely yes so you also, I've also read, now, you know, see, since I'm doing all of this, you know that I was stalking you a little bit, but <laughs> that we need more role models within the African-American world, and we need them really soon. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you see in your mind's eye when you see, when you say, say that? Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, I especially see that um, in pageantry, um, just because I work with so many young women. I've personally mentored over a thousand young women. And I have a teen, a national teen queen right now, and she just recently posted about entering the pageant at eight years old when we had a princess program. And she said that she attended the pageant and how powerful and impactful it was to see all of these intelligent brown women on a stage, women who looked like her. Mm-hmm. And these women were positive role models. And what she saw impacted her in a way that it never left her. It made her realize and believe that she could one day become a classical singer. Mm-hmm. And she's now pursuing a professional opera career. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, eventually utilized the pageant as a platform mm-hmm. to also give back because you know, one of the things that we always do as Black women is we're always taking care of others. And we mm-hmm. feel that we have a responsibility to do that. And so the, that's a big part of the pageant system. And so um, tapping into those, those talents, um, having positive role models is so important because what we see on television is really can affect your psyche, Mm -hmm. really can sort of shape your perception of certain ideals, whether it's beauty, whatever, and so uh, philosophies. And so it's really important to have, in some cases, where we remain invisible, Mm -hmm. to have platforms that really shine a light on the best of us. You know, one of the things that really inspired me when I won the Image Award, NAACP Image Award, was being around so much Black excellence. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, they always say iron sharpens iron. So when you're around people who know more than you, who are doing more than you, you can't do anything but be inspired. So yes, we absolutely do need more positive role models. and we also need more effective leaders. We need more Stacey Abrams. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if Stacey Abrams had said, you know, had sat home and said, you know what, I'm not, <laughs> can you imagine where we would be? So you absolutely need more positive role models. <laughs> yes. I want to help the audience to also understand that being a role model doesn't mean that you have to be as big as a Stacey Abrams. Being a role model could simply mean that you are modeling a behavior that your kids are watching Mm -hmm. and that they're taking note of and they are going, oh, I want to be like that. And Mm -hmm. so if you consider what you're doing and you think that your child is saying, oh, I want to be like that, then consider what you're doing and see if it's, if it's what you want them to be doing later on, because that's how it's going to kind of work. But I agree. I think, I think that the representation part is so important. The media representation, you know, um, my daughter, one day we were watching, I don't remember what we were watching. I think we might've been watching A Wrinkle in Time, which was really wonderful Um, and she looked at her and she says mommy she has hair just like me Mm. and I thought to myself how wonderful it is that she could watch a movie and see someone that she could relate to something that I couldn't do that I didn't have the opportunity to do because there were even less 
there was even less representation of us in movies that were put out for, for, you know, for kids. So it is important that modeling, the role modeling and the representation and then the being visible, don't make it, don't hide it. Don't make it a hidden thing. Make it something that is out there. People know that I, you do this, you know, because then you can say to your kids, if they say, I want to be such and such, oh, you know, this other person is that, oh, really? You know, and then they can see themselves in that person's you know, roll and go, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it because that's just how things work. Absolutely. You know, that's just how things work. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to bring forth now? Let's see. Um, we covered quite a bit and it's we did. enjoyable <laughs> to talk with you today. The only thing that I just, you know, want to always reiterate in, to women and especially women of color is that, you know, you have the power to be the director of your own lives. And, mm. you know, what I really want for all women, especially women of color, is to find their next level, find their purpose and passion and live big, you know, and then, of course, light the way for other women, too. Mm hmm. Yes, because it's no fun when your friends can't come, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. I think it was part of a song. I think it was like, it's, um, it's no fun if your homies can't come. I'm like, it's no fun. <laughs> you know, if you don't bring others along with you who knew the struggle along the way also, right? It's always important to connect with people who knew the struggle along the way and who are getting there with you so that you can, because then the, then, then you can enjoy the, the success, the sweet success more. You can always commiserate about how you got there and say, look, look what happened. Look yeah. what we did. You know, I think that that's so, so important to, to do and to have and to maintain, to continue to move forward. Everybody, you know, each one teach one, right? Yes, absolutely. And let's all go together. I love that. And I think that it's so, it's so timely, so right. So Karen, since we are on diversity dish and we're towards the end of our conversation, can you tell us what is your favorite dish? This is so lame, I think, <laughs> but pizza. <laughs> it's not lame. <laughs> it's pizza. Listen, I do a lot of international travel and I tell you something, I went to Milan, you know, with the group and we ordered pizza and we were like, we're not eating pizza in the U.S. When you taste this pizza in Italy, like it's, this is real pizza right here. What are we eating in the U.S.? And so the pizza was so good that we literally each bought our own pizza every single day for seven days. Oh my. Um, and had a whole pizza to ourselves. <laughs> it was so good because we had never had like, like, listen, we don't eat pizza here in the U.S. Okay. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is not pizza, what we're eating. So we're eating some iteration of something. Yes. <laughs> so pizza has become my favorite dish. And I use it as an excuse to hop on a plane and go to Milan. 
Oh, well, you know, you can have a worse excuse, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Anything that'll take you back to Milan, I think will be, you know, welcome, right? Yes. Wow. Now you make me want to jump on a plane and go to Milan and get me some pizza. <laughs> oh, they have a lot to offer in Milan other than pizza, but listen, but the I'm first sure. stop is always pizza. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my goodness. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being here with me today on Diversity Dish. I have really enjoyed our conversation and thank you for the inspiration that you have provided for my audience. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case, it would be awesome if you help support my work over at Patreon. The link is in the show notes. See you soon.